This week on Kettle of Fish, comedian Colette Meyer stops by to talk about comedy knockouts. Welcome to our after show. We call Kettle of Fish the No Politics Laughter Show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debates, hate, or arguments allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip. So hooray for Kettle of Fish. Alrighty, welcome to Kettle of Fish, the show after the show, the talk after the talk, the 30-minute comedy money shot after the one hour of political foreplay. I am your seafaring podcasting captain of the internet airwaves, Nick the Saucy One Catsaurus, coming to you live, as always, from the top of good old Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my hee-hauling, knee-slapping, knock-knock joke-telling producer, the abbot to my Costello, the laurel to my hearty, the George to my Gracie, no gender roles here, please. D, the soon-to-be AGT producer. You're going to be yes. hearing that a lot over the next couple months. I am, aren't I? Uh, yeah, suit very uh, 49 days till AGT audition, and um, assuming I make it past the first round, then everybody needs to keep an eye on our YouTube, because I will be putting up... Um, the songs that I want to use and I want everybody to vote on which one they want me to actually perform on the show. It's and so one of my new favorite songs. artists you'll be putting up there in the mix is Suzanne Santo, who I yep. now love everything she does from Honey Honey and this season of The Guest Book on TBS. Yes, great stuff. Just just great stuff. So um, hop on over to Musical Osmosis and check that episode out. It was a last-minute improv episode me and Suzanne put together, and it's actually one of my favorites of the past few weeks. Yes, and just in case you're listening to this elsewhere and you're not quite sure what we're talking about, just type in www.tincan.media and hit the enter key poof you're there um we are also of course on youtube keep an eye on that because we are working on our new web series i was playing with the camera yesterday it's, it's great great feels like you're there so it's gonna be awesome. and what will we be doing on this web series i can't believe we forgot to mention all of this on the political I show oh well you guys got busy uh, or after we, whatever we are first going to be going and nerding out with rachel from king of the nerds and we're gonna hang out with al pissed of the pissed and we're we're just and i'm gonna video as much of the agt behind the scenes stuff as they'll let me we're just gonna have a great time um with all the cool people that we have met on the show over the years um and speaking of cool people we're having lots of cool people coming up uh, we've got john s hall from king missile coming on the next musical osmosis so keep an eye out for that because we are not recording on wednesday like we usually are we're actually no that'll recording. be this coming saturday yep we're recording on a saturday so keep an eye on the page for that um we're gonna have yadoye travis who is coming up on this season of search party uh we're gonna have the 21 punk salute with like five million awesome yeah we forgot fans. to mention one of your favorites steve from the gits Yes, he's going to be. I love him. Uh, we're also going to have Vermin Supreme is going to come back. Rachel Mason. Tons and tons and tons and tons and tons. Just, just, just tons. I guess we should get our co-host in here. Yes. So let me introduce my co-host, a girl who only takes one thing more seriously than her research, and that's her drinking. Fern, the moist voice, heart. 
Fern's voice is very moist today, full disclosure. Uh, we've already done our political show, and I'm on beer number five. So if anybody that keeps track of Fern's drinking while we're on air, um, you should either be up to or past this point by now to be in the Fern zone. So stay Slackers. in that moist voice zone. Um, I do not promote drinking and driving. However, I do promote drinking and chilling at your house on a beautiful Sunday afternoon what about at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. and Ubering and mixing it up with your Uber drivers as you wax political down Virginia Beach Boulevard? Oh, my God. Every single one. I think I've had one driver that has been, like, kind of uncomfortable, but every other driver has been like, wow, I really like what you're saying. Where can I find you? Where can I listen to your shows? Like, I like the, the tone and tenor that you guys set. Like, this sounds awesome. Uber drivers are um they are uh they're unique people man they're they see a underdogs. lot of people Well, look, you always ask them, like, one of my favorite things to ask is, like, the best and the worst experience Ubering, like, because you've got to be like, what was the coolest experience and what was the worst experience? Like, I tend to ask all my Uber drivers that. The best experience has been one guy who drove this couple, and they were just like, we love you so much, we're just going to pay you all night, and they gave him, like, 500 bucks to be their personal chauffeur all night long, and that's pretty cool. One of the worst experiences was a dude who got into a car with these three chicks, and he he just thought, like, they were all together. But apparently this guy was hanging out while these chicks were waiting for an Uber and just got in the car with them, and they didn't know him. And she's like, oh, hey, do man. you mind stopping at Seven Eleven so I can grab a hot dog or a pack of smokes or whatever? And he stopped. They went in, and the three girls piled back into the car, and they said, go. We don't know who that guy is. So the Uber driver just kind of left dude there at Seven Eleven and took off. It's such a guy mentality, right? Like, if I hop in these Ubers with them, I bet you the four of us will be having sex in an hour. Oh yeah, that does as much for me as dick pics do. Guys are always idling on. I'm going to have some sex in any particular situation. Yeah, dick pics and saying I'm a chocolatier from England. Will you fly over and marry me? Like that just does it for me, man. Like I, the panties wet off. Yeah, I'm ready to go. I don't I, think I, I don't know. Had <laughs> a true internet experience until you have had a guy like seduce try to online seduce you and then my ex-girlfriend was just kind of stringing him along he was like from somewhere in africa and then he was like you should come over here and mule some diamonds up your ass for me back to america so i don't think until you've gone down that rabbit hole you've really gotten any on you let me tell you if i'm smuggling diamonds up my ass i'm keeping them they're not going yes. anywhere but staying with me <laughs> if they're going up my ass they're gonna be mine done such a weird request. Oh, before we get started, um, five beers in. Are you in Shiwi territory yet? I am not in Shiwi territory. I have the beauty of the mute. So if I have to go to the bathroom, then I just do it. And then for all you listeners out there who wonder how that works, like there's no bottle, no Shiwi. The Shiwi is Friday night drunken trivia exclusive as a gimmick, as a, I don't know, just because I figured if you can pee standing up, I should be able to pee standing up. But um, yeah, my Shiwi has actually gone AWOL. Wow. So there's no chance of you ever mixing your shiwi up with your beer bong, because I could see that being zany, hilarious, disastrous. No, what's going to happen is like 10,000 years from now, there's going to be like a... Where Chrissy got her shiwi mixed up with her beer bong? I don't know, man. I don't know, but I know in 10,000 years when they do a dig in this neighborhood, they're going to find the vole graveyard where we dump all the voles that my cat catches, and they're going to think they all migrated there to, like, die. And they'll probably dig up my shiwi and be like, what kind of 
antiquated device is this? Like, my shiwi's gone AWOL, seriously. I don't know where it is. I don't know how you lose a shiwi. I, maybe I should have put, like, a GPS tracking device on this motherfucker, but you it's gone. it's a person's house? <laughs> it's probably in a friggin' trophy case in person's house yeah. somewhere. <laughs> By the way, I did that intro today, and I was like, you know, it'd be cute this week since we're having an old friend and comedian on. Let me do some comedian duos because every week I do a different intro for me and D. And I started thinking as I was going through them, and I was like, damn, you know, like Penn and Teller is the last really famous comedian duo i remember why don't they have comedian duos anymore i i don't i don't know stellos of the 21st century of the digital age now now they're amy poehler and tina fey they just don't don't necessarily they're not exclusive well they're not exclusively together but they do they have they work together a lot just not right, they have a band together, but I'm talking on stage. One guy's the straight guy, the other one's hurling jokes. Where did that formula go? Hmm. Bring it back. I, you know, I, I think that people just can't take a joke anymore. So if you have like an Abbott and Costello, a uh, uh, skinny and a large guy, like it's like not socially acceptable to do that. Maybe like I don't know where people's sense of humor has gone, but I tend to laugh at everything, even things that are like self-deprecating. I'm kind of the biggest self-deprecating person there is. I can laugh at myself. Um, just because I don't take myself that seriously. So maybe people should just not take themselves so seriously. Yeah, that's going to be a hard sell in today's America. I know. Let's get. We're going to do something a little bit different today. We usually have guests on that I have contacted through different media channels, but we're actually going to have a guest on that I knew before she went into comedy instead of after. My old friend from Virginia Beach, Hampton Roads area, Colette Myers. Colette, what's up? Hi, Nick. What's up, man? What is shaking? Thank you for rushing back from your commercial filming today. What was it Thank for? You. It was um, the deets. Yeah. <laughs> my son got a job at a popcorn shop downtown, and um, they just they needed people to come down and, and fill in kind of last minute for uh, their their commercial. So I did that. And, of course, my son put, pretty much put me on the spot for it. <laughs> right on. Um let me ask you this. Am I correct in saying an old friend, or we were we just old people who got drunk in the same orbit? No, we really were friends. Know we have, you. We have, what's that? I don't think I really knew you. Knew, like, me and you never went to Applebee's together alone. No, I, I probably see. We probably didn't hang out, but we did. We were always in the same, we were in the same circle for a little while. Yes, we were. So I guess that makes yeah. us friends. But that term yeah. is used so loosely now. Like, I, my old boss used to say he was friends with everyone. And I remember one time he was like, hey, we're having a Super Bowl party. Um, tell Rochelle and everybody else not to bring their boyfriends because I don't know them. I only want good friends there. And I was like, all right, so you want me to tell Karen too? And he's like, oh, no, no, no. I'm friends with Karen's boyfriend. I was like, you are? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> I said, cool. What's his name? Oh. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. Oh, wow. Sounds like he saved your life in fucking Nam. You don't even know his yeah. name and he's your friend. So this idea of like, just because I shared cake with you at an office birthday party, that doesn't make us friends. I think people really use that term too loosely nowadays. Yeah. Well, I think we're okay. We were friends before Facebook came along. So I think that we're probably in the traditional friend zone. Yeah, I'll you were on MySpace. So that still yeah, makes sense, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. 
Now, my before space. the internet, get on, get on my space. yeah, before the internet, there was no such thing as friendship. Friendship was created by social media. Yeah. So yeah, let's well, get to comedy here. You yeah. were not a comedian when I knew you. I don't know if nope. you were a musician when I knew you. I think you nope. were modeling, if my old senile memory serves me correctly, when I knew you. I was. I was modeling and dabbling in a little bit of my own photography during, during those days. So are you the type yeah. of person who always feels like, hey, I have to have some kind of creative outlet or I'm not truly centered? Uh, yes. I kind of go a little stir-crazy when I don't have something to do. That's mm. just, just, yeah. I like to keep my brain occupied, and you're right. As long as it's some type of creative outlet, I'm usually pretty good. Yeah, Dee can tell you yeah. um, when she first met me because of all the drama going on in my life, I had no creative endeavors, and I was pacing the floor and fucking picking flowers off the wallpaper, right, Dee? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I always tell him he's like a shark, and if he stays still for too long, he, he it's like he feels like he's going to die. So he has to yeah. keep doing like five thousand things as fast as he can so yeah that's pretty much i'm in the same way yeah <laughs> as i believe but that seems things. to be that that doesn't seem to be like the motivating factor between most successful people i mean a lot of the people that we talk to that's kind of like the same thing it's like if i'm not if i'm not trying i'm dying you know they right. keep to the grind and they keep going and they got to do something i mean whether it be professionally or artistically or just whatever's going on in their personal life like if they don't have a lot going on to keep them occupied they're crazy i mean i'll i'll sit there on my tablet and watch tv and text at the same time like all three yeah like i I can't just sit still and do nothing yeah i can't either i start i do i go a little stir crazy if i'm not doing anything and then the people around me suffer so you know i don't want to hurt them either well interestingly <laughs> yeah. enough i just had because i'm i tend to be a pretty creative person too um i just had my first experience of having to sit and not do other things last night um i went and got my nails done which i've only gotten done like maybe three times in my life and i couldn't be on my phone and there wasn't anything on the tv interesting to watch and you know i it, i didn't there was a little bit of a language barrier so I couldn't have a conversation with the woman who was doing it and she took quite a while um but the longer I sat there the more relaxed I got and like she you know rubbed hand cream in my hands and everything else and I'm just like oh my god I don't think I've ever just enjoyed a moment and I really really liked it not every day yeah but a couple times I do, a yeah, I, do, do I mean, I, I have a l- little bit of a theory lately. Like, I feel like we're just so used to being overstimulated all the yeah. time. Then when we're not, we're not, we just don't know what to do with ourselves anymore. And it's almost like, like our silence is getting underrated because our, our brains are just moving so fast all the time that when they slow down, we almost don't know what to do with them anymore. Yeah, it was I like to walk sense. in circles and brood silently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I find that helps a lot. Dude, you'd be amazed at the number of steps I put on my Fitbit when I'm broadcasting or talking to you Dude, my on Fitbit any given day. Just says, give it a fucking break, man. My Fitbit. Yeah, is they're like goal, double goal. All right, we give up. I would come inside out. I've been in that situation, Danielle, with having my nails and my feet done and everything. And yes, while it feels good, my brain is still working and I'm ready to come out of my skin because I'm sitting still. Like I have a hard time at night to the point to where I'm like, all right, 
I made homemade uh, lavender lotion to relax. I put on my little sleep app. It was peaceful noises like monk chants and things like that to help me relax. And I still have a hard time, like, falling asleep. So I'll visualize something peaceful, and it'll be like this nice field with the breeze blowing through it. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, i got to cut my grass. i got to pay my bills. I've <laughs> yeah, got to get the kids' lunches packed to to tomorrow. i got to – oh, dude, it's hard. Yeah, it is hard to silence that soundtrack. All right, I want to talk comedy with you, Colette. Give us right. a little bit of background here. When did you break into comedy? And what I'm really interested in, knowing you before and after, like a heads and shoulders commercial, I guess. Is it easier for you to kind of get on stage and do comedy where everybody's expecting it? Or is it easier just to like crack dick jokes at a party with your friends where everybody's kind of loose and fast and having a good time? Um. I, I don't know what what's easier. I don't know. I don't think either one of those uh, atmospheres are easier for me. I mean, my thing is when I go, depending on wherever I go, I mean, I just want to be able to have a good show or to or to entertain, I guess, you know. Um, usually when um, it's just a personal thing and I'm out and about, I'm actually pretty to myself. So I, I, most of the time it's just stage um, that I that I get up there and worry about so much. Um, I'm pretty quiet when it's uh, like to myself or, uh, you know, when I'm out with friends or whatever. But I mean, it, I think it all depends on the vibe. A lot of it's the vibe of the room or where you're at. Um, I don't know. And then and you wanted history on that, too. Well, when people view you now, I guess this this is more interesting to me as far as how people view you. Has it changed since you started going out there and doing music and comedy where your friends expect more interaction out of you now? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. A lot of them know me, so they know that I reserve most of the entertaining for, you know, stage or music or whatever. Um, I mean, kind of a thinker. So like, you know, you're like you guys are saying, my brain's going, you know, 80 miles an hour most of the time. So, um, if I'm not performing, I'm usually thinking about performing or thinking about things I can use to perform with or material or, you know, um, the, I guess an artist's brain, I don't know, I, you know, I'll be out and jotting down notes here and there. So, um, like I said, just pretty much reserve most of it for performances. Um, just depends on where I'm at, what's going on. So why the pivot away from kind of modeling and the individual, I guess, you know, you don't have to perform when modeling. You just have to model. You don't, you're not in there with an audience to comedy. What, why that pivot? Um, I mean, well, I mean, I'll be straight up honest with you. You age, you know what I mean? I'm getting older. So I'm in my forties now and, uh, you know, I mean, the modeling gigs aren't coming along as often as they used to because I'm just not as young as I was. Um, most of the time when I do it now, I'm doing it for myself and I'm doing it for, um, you know, I, I love costumes. I love uh, cosplay type of stuff. So if I'm doing it, I'm usually doing it to make some type of silly, um, nice. photo. Yeah. I like to do the mimicking. I like to mimic old school type of stuff. Um, so I'm usually doing stuff like that, but yeah, I mean, you get older and it's just not, you know, like I said, you know, I'm not being asked to model quite as much as I used to. And you know what? That's the way it goes. I mean, that's just the way it is. You know? Wow. So, that's some true yeah. introspection there. Right, Fern? Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, I actually find it interesting in this area, particularly where we are, um, just because it's such a transient area. It's such a melting pot of uh, different ideologies, political views, um, backgrounds, because of the heavy military influence in this area, to the point to where, you know, Virginia Beach and the whole Tidewater area used to be very pro-military. Um, but talking to someone in the line at the post office, I was like, well, man, you must have a lot of support here. He's like, no, actually, people hate us here. They don't like the military here. I get a lot of shit being in the military. And I was like, wow. So I guess what I want to know is, like, has that – you're always looking for some way to perform, some way to, you know, something that was going to catch you that you can put on stage. Like, do you see – political comedy in this area as a more difficult challenge because of the transience, because you don't know who is going to like Ooh, it, who you're going to offend? Or do you just say, hey, I'm sticking to my ideology, my platform, and I'm going to, you know, if I see this ridiculousness, I'm going to make this joke and I don't give a fuck. So do you take into account the transience or do you just kind of like go out there with something and be like, I'm just going to put it out there and if it sticks, great. If not, whatever, it's my thing. Yeah. No, I told you, you know what? I, I totally agree with you. And um, I do make a habit of staying away from politics. One, I just do not know enough about politics to feel like I should have an opinion about it. And I choose to be that way because I'm, I'm not a politics type of person. I don't play well in um, garbage sandboxes. I, I'm sorry. I just don't like politics. Um, gotcha. I try to, yeah, I'm just, I guess what I try to do is I try to stay a little more towards, I mean, just like I said, I mean, with the aging, aging is part of my comedy and women deal with that. I mean, you know, I, I wonder sometimes because I'll be out and other comics will be up there and they'll be doing their thing and they'll be, you know, um, you know, no offense, but like man comedy or, you know, what guys think is funny and then politics and then this. And I always wonder like, you know, what, what kind of material is going to, be appropriate you know and i you know i don't like to offend people i don't like to do that i know that part of comedy is really not really giving a shit what you say but i'm not really that way so i try to I, what i've been doing is just joking more about like life you know the aging and my kids growing up and moving out of the house and driving me crazy and things like that and uh you know it hasn't worked out bad for me i mean i literally and i can say this um, every show I have as far as stand-up, I have at least one woman at the end of the night saying, oh, my God, I can relate to everything you just said. That was so funny. That's and, beautiful. Yeah, I could watch in your reel. Absolutely. Yeah. And, if you know, if I can do that and it's just one person, then that's that's something. That's something to me. That's, that means something to me. You know what I mean? Because you're not going to grab everybody, and I know that, you know. But um, I like that. That's what makes me keep doing it, you know, because – this is what women in their forties go through. And these are the things that we should be joking about. And we have to deal with. So, you know, if they, if I can express that for them and find humor in it, then that's cool. But yeah, I do stay away from touchy subjects. I'm not gonna lie. I do just because, you know, I try to stay away from them again. I'm not educated enough really to, you know, I don't know enough about it to, to feel like I can talk about it. So I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I I just try to keep it simple. I worry about that sometimes, but you know, you just use what comes comfortable to you, and that's what comes. That's what's comfortable to me. So, well, tell me about the kind of journey there. Did you just were you at a bar one night and they said, "Hey, we're going to have open mic," and you're like, "Fuck it," or did you sit there and write material for two months and try to psych yourself into going up on stage and doing it? What was it like? When was a pivotal moment where you're like, "I'm going to do this comedy thing," and what was the first door you opened? 
Um, it was like a year ago, and I was doing sketch comedy. I was doing sketch and improv, and I was doing that for about, I don't know, was it was like six years, seven years I was doing that. Wow. And um, it just, I, I don't want to say a lot. Well, yeah, I guess maybe I kind of lost interest. It wasn't really making me happy. It wasn't like, you know, I wasn't getting that, ooh, I feel fulfilled at the end of the day. And it just was, it wasn't doing it for me. And um, I, and when that happens, I'm like, well, I just need to try something else. And of well, course, let me interject and, real quick yeah. here. Was it a lack of yeah. control over the material? Or was it that you just didn't feel like you jived or was a important part of the machine? Of um, like I, kind of sketch comedy altogether. Probably both. Cause sketch and improv is group effort. It, it's definitely a group activity. And um, for some reason, I was just feeling like I wanted to do things on my own. I, I just felt like, okay, well, maybe I can be funny by myself. And maybe I can, you know, try that. And being out in that crowd, I had run across friends that were already stand-up comics. And a few times they'd be like, hey, why don't you give it a shot? And I blew that off. I blew it off for a couple of years two, three years, I, I didn't try it. And then, I don't know, it just came up and I was like, I don't know, I'm just not feeling as excited about, you know, the sketch and improv and the group activities. Um, so I said, let me just try something new. Again, you know, I just always have to keep doing something and uh, searching. And even if you try it and you fail and you don't like it, so what? At least you tried it, you know? So uh, well, boom, you, you know, sent me your right. first stand-up and I was like, wow, I can't believe this is her first stand-up. You seemed very at ease and I didn't know you had a sketch comedy, improv comedy background, so that's probably yeah. why. But was that just told, was that scheduled or was that open mic? How did that come about, that first time on stage alone? The first time was um, I had taken a class. I took the class at the Funny Bone and um, when you take the class, they, part of the class is you have to go out one night and do an open mic. It's Part of your, oh. your, your night requirements. So that was officially my very first night out. So, so I always keep that one in treasure because it was the first night. So it was pretty, but it was, I had a blast. And, and even on the first night, I had a table of women like right in front of me. And when I got done, those women were so fun. They just came over and they were high fiving me. And they, I mean, that was, I, I was kind of hooked after that because I was like, if I could just reach a table of women like that you know, just by being silly and goofy and expressing my ideas that I thought no one would ever want to hear, you know, that's pretty much what hooked me on, on that. And then, you know, it was more, I wasn't relying on a group. I was just relying on myself. That so is was, amazing. Yeah. Different. Well, I can tell different. you this as somebody who kind of started out, we built this podcast just doing what we do out of my bedroom here in Tennessee because, you know, me and Dee don't have much of a social life around here because we're very different types of people than we're surrounded by. And as I kind of went through the motions, I started getting more and more offers to do things. I mean, we just had Bonnie Morgan on from the ring and she's a contortionist and she didn't know how far away I was from her. She's in LA and she's like, I'm having this giant Muppet party this weekend. You guys should come out. And I, you know, and I get all these offers to do things in LA or New York. And I, you know, nine times out of 10, although we did go to New York a couple years ago, so I could do this Nerdist podcast on their channel. But nine times out of 10, I have to say no, just because of location, location, location. And you are here in Virginia Beach, which they have a little bit of a comedy scene. But do you feel like you're cutting your legs out from under yourself because you're not doing all these creative endeavors in New York or LA where that stuff or even Chicago, where that stuff is very prominent? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm gonna again, I want to be honest, I don't think I'm ready yet. You know, I, I don't know if I feel like in, in my, 
you know, in my head that I'm like, oh, I'm there and I'm ready. I mean, I still feel like I'm learning. So, I mean, uh, it's a learning process. I think, um, you know, someone told me not too long ago, you know, when you're, you're a comic, part of being a comic, you have to kind of develop who you are. Who are you? you know, on stage, you know, what are you project projecting out to people? This, I really don't even know yet because I'm still figuring it out. You know, I, I don't know if, if my, if I'm going to be the chick with the, the jokes about, you know, being middle age or later or what, I don't know. I mean, so I'm still working. I don't know if I could say I'm even comfortable yet knowing where I want to go next with it. Um, again, it's my outlet right now. It's my outlet. And as long as I have an outlet, then I'm pretty much okay. And what, where it takes me, I, I never really plan ahead. I just see if it works, you know, mm, that's if smart. It's, if it's, yeah. I mean, I don't dwell on it. I don't say, Oh, in four years, I want to be like, Oh, a stand-up comic on HBO. I don't even think about that. I'm just like, well, I'm out doing it and I feel good when I get home. And if I had a good night, then that's all I'm asking for. <laughs> so um, I haven't thought that far ahead yet, really. <laughs> yeah, but that's like, yeah, that's the important thing, though. I mean, what you said, it was, uh, it's very important to understand. Because you're like, you're saying, hey, I don't know if I'm ready. I'm still trying to figure it out. But at the same time, this is my outlet and this is who I am. And I feel good about that. And, you know, Nick and I have had many conversations about me kind of trying to break out of my shell and going into the direction that I want to go in. And he's like, look, I have every confidence in you. But I, I kind of hold myself back a little bit and say, Jesus, yeah. you know, I haven't been doing this this long. I don't know if I'm ready. But he has so much more confidence and belief in me than I have in myself. And I know I'm capable. And I should just go out there and throw it out there. And you're, I've watched you real. You're very capable. You are very talented. You stay true to yourself and stay true to what you want to do. Don't be something else and figure it out. I mean, you're doing exactly what you want to do and being who you want to be. And that's what's going to make you successful is the unique Colette experience, not any other thing. So I think that's great. And, and watching your comedy, that really comes through. Like you're very genuine. You're very passionate. And and staying along that vein is, you know, things will come, but you're very talented. And, um, yeah, staying, staying true to yourself is a very important thing. So I would definitely say stick to that route. Don't try to put yourself in any kind of box and figure out what you're supposed to be. Just be you because that shines through very prominently and it's been successful in coming through to the, you know, to the people being entertained. So and now on that has and you'll no be good. excuse for not going to see Colette live, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, man. We should go to Applebee's and have a margarita. Hell, let's do it. Yeah. I'm good. Oh, wait, me and Colette's never been to Applebee's together. We already covered this. <laughs> Are you trying to usurp our, our faux friendship from the MySpace days, Fern? Sorry, Nick. We're, we, you know what? We're all sisters. Sisters yeah, we're, Trump. Right. Sorry. I guess me and you were just ships in the night, Colette. <laughs> well, yeah. and let me tell you guys, and, and this goes for, for anybody, but, you know, Colette and I know Fern, you, you want to work on stuff, and even me, and that's why I'm auditioning for AGT. If you're waiting yes. to feel like you're ready, it's never going to happen. You've got to just, you know, be like, okay, I kind of know what I'm doing. So, you know what? Let me just throw the glitter in the air and hope some of it lands on me. Because, and bowl by the balls, baby. I mean, that's that really, like, that's why I'm, I even have the position at work that I have. It's the best job I've ever, ever had. I absolutely love it. Um, 
and I, I feel like I'm not ready for this. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like, I don't even, I, I'm just now finishing my degree. What, how do they think I can do that? But you know what? Last year I worked on a fundraiser and we made more than they've made in years. And it's just, you just can't wait to be ready. If you feel like yeah. you are good at something, if you feel like that's you, like for me, I, I sing. That's who I am. That's what I am. That's just, it's just me. So if you well, feel like yeah. I tell jokes and I, I'm funny, then do it. Just do it. Because you're never You know, Woody it. Allen get- says nine-tenths of anything is just showing up, right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> but yeah. I think a good support yeah. system has to do with that, too. You know, I mean, you know, I have a very good support system. You know, I've got great friends like Nick and Dee who are behind me and say, you know what? I have faith in you. And even though you feel you're not ready... We know that you are more than capable, not not just capable, but I more just than had capable. I just to push you to get should. involved with this bench thing that we're going to take on with Angela. Yes, and I'm totally on board with that, man. I totally believe in the project. I believe in what she and Lindsay are doing with their podcast. Like, I'm all about all things Angela Garner and Lindsay. Like, I love it. And, yes, it, having that good support system and keeping those positive people in your life will help you because nobody ever does it by themselves. Nobody can yeah. ever say, hey, I did it by myself, because there's always that one person that said, hey, I'll give you a ride when you don't have a ride, or, hey, I'm going to come out and support your show, or, hey, I'm just going to, I'm going to take you when you're in the depths of, man, I, I bombed tonight, or things didn't go as well as I wanted to, or I really thought this was good, but it fell flat, or whatever, and they're going to be like, look, you, you got it, girl, like, keep going. So having that support system is super important, and I have that with Nick and Danielle, and Danielle has, lives with a constant support system, which is great. And Nick has a constant support system with his friends, with Danielle, with myself. And, you know, we're here for you as well because, I I mean, I I can't speak for them, but I'm sure they feel the same way. What you do is great. It's good work. It's not like, oh, I know this chick and she does comedy. And so, Oh, no, no, I never would have had her on the show if I thought she No, (laughs) what you do is fantastic. So keeping that support system in place is also just as important because we all fall into the trap of self-deprecation and doubt, yeah. but you need those people behind you that are going to motivate you to go forward instead of try to hold you down. Right. Which, ironically, comic actually revolves a lot around self-deprecation. <laughs> so, yes. you know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, it's, it's like the irony of it is like having the confidence to get up there and do it, but while you're up there, it's just funny to put yourself down, you know? So it's it's like almost like a vicious cycle the whole time, but uh, you know you just you just do it and, and like I said earlier, you just do it in hopes that you're hit you're hitting someone else and they know what you're saying, you know. But laughing so. at yourself shows introspection, which is always a good thing. Yeah. And if you can't laugh at yourself, you know you shouldn't laugh at anybody else. But if you can laugh oh, at right. yourself, well, that gives you the right to laugh at everybody else. I mean, it's it's all encompassing. Yeah, I yeah, totally I laugh agree. At my, myself. All right, we got to finish this up. Um, last thing I want to hit before we get out of here, because we are running over, yeah. as we always do. We're never on time, Fern. We just talk forever. Um, I want to talk about well, your five band. beers in doesn't help either, so we'll say that. Five beers in and a missing Shiwi. You're a mess today, Fern, <laughs> sitting out there in the garage. But five beers in, I don't care about the missing Shiwi, so it's all good. Oh, do you have a bucket out there or something? No, I have the mute button. I'm good. I, didn't I explain this earlier in the show? The mute button works wonders. You did. You there just you go. forgot. <laughs> 
I'm an old man. Senile memory. Yeah. All right. So your band, and I hope I'm pronouncing yep. this right. I'm terrible with names. It's Adrendas, right? Correct. That's correct. Yes. Um, started in 2012. I was going through your Facebook page for the band. It seems like there was a little bit of a lull period. Um, has this yeah. been consistent this last, what is this, five years? Or have you guys kind of been in and out of the music scene? No, we were we were actually really consistent up until, oh, geez, when was it? I don't know. It was probably a little less than a year ago, and only because, um, oh, eight months, because now I know. Um, I went back to school. So the band actually we we all needed to kind of take a break the girls needed to take care of some stuff in their lives and stuff and i started school so that we just and and we get together we still get together we're just not really performing um so we just decided to take a break you know sometimes you have to get other priorities in life in order and that's what we were doing um so that's the only reason but we were definitely consistent we were playing out at least on average every other month up until then um, right and practicing every week, yeah. So we were we were going strong for a little while, and then we just felt the juju die down. And and like I said, we're all grown women, so we were just like, hey, what's going on? And this one's like, ah, I need to deal with this, and I need to deal with that. And I was like, well, I got to go back to school. So um, so now we're we're still together, but we're it's just taking care of other priorities. But we do have a gig that we got asked to do for a comedian friends. So now I get to put both my things together music and comedy Ooh, chocolate and, uh, and peanut butter yeah yeah i know so that'll be cool so we get to be a um like a guest band for one of my comic friends and we're just going to kind of host the show a little bit and uh, play a couple songs and have a really good night very and, uh, nice so, yeah yeah let's dig deep into the colette like the soul let's get real deep here for a second what do you get from music that you don't get from comedy and what do you get from comedy that you don't get from music creatively um music's entirely different um the drums that for me is i i also am kind of aggressive i'm a new yorker you know what i mean i and italian and italian yeah um but I get to when I beat on the drums. It's, it's an entirely different outlet. It's it's aggression. Music is different. Drumming, you know, being the heartbeat, and that's just different. Comedy is just my silliness, and uh, you know, and music is I really got to put a lot of effort and energy into that. Not that I don't put energy into comedy, but playing drums is a completely type of di- you know different type of energy. Um, but so that's the, definitely the different two different things I get out of those for sure when i always I did girl bands i mean i always loved bikini kill and i'm talking all girl bands not a band who has one female member because i think yeah. girl bands and even listening to you guys have an edge that other dynamics don't and i just think it's so gritty anytime i hear an all-female band and i'm not talking like wilson phillips or anything i'm talking about rock and roll right. anytime i hear assault. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's always such a fucking edge to it where I'm like, man, I, a male band, as good as many male bands are, and I mean, I, I love bands all across the board, but this is a type of formula or a type of edge I never see being able to capture by any other dynamic in a band. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be a dick when I say this. I'm really not. But that's just because of, you know, the stereotype of, you know, women playing music. And I, I'm not going to lie, when we first started, someone was like, oh, girl band, you're not going to last very long. And I was like, oh, really? Well, well you can watch us because we're going to last. We're going to last. Those are the sweetest moments, else. aren't they? And you're yeah, probably like, like me. Uh, 
if someone tells you you can't do something, you're like, you know what? I didn't even wasn't even interested in a band anymore. Now uh, I have to put yeah. out like twelve double live Kiss platinum albums. So fuck you. Yeah, yeah. Well, we went on. We um, recorded both our CDs with one of our friends. We we did that completely by ourselves with our friend Brian. Um, his name is Brian Vance in, in Virginia Beach, dear friend of mine. And he did most of our recordings. We would two CDs in two years, uh, small ones. We didn't have a lot of tracks on them, but, you know, that's a lot of work. You know, <laughs> recording oh, is a lot of work. You know, if you remember back in the day, oh. I was a band guy myself. We had even Steven. I had my little club yeah. in um, Norfolk for a while until we did everything the wrong way and it got shut down. So I am from that DIY world myself. Oh yeah, and um, I and we did a great job. We had fun. I mean, most and and that's a lot of it was based on fun. We wanted to keep it, you know, raw and and garage music, and that's what we wanted. And we went back and forth over and over again on those CDs just because we wanted to keep a lot of that raw sound in there. And you just end up with a lot of people that you know are just like, oh, you know, you're just a shtick. You're you know you you're a girl band. And I'm like, well, you know what? We're going to be more than that. How is that a shtick, though? There's enough legitimate girl bands out there over the past 20 years, especially, where I don't think they get to use that argument anymore. Because they have vaginas, Nick. That's why. They have vaginas. Therefore, they are less important and unimportant. And people can say equal rights have come are full circle in this country, but it's not that way. It's like, oh, it's a chick band. They just want to hit a niche market because they all have vaginas. That's bullshit, man. It's total bullshit. And as soon as they don't play their music right, they're going to cry. No, we're not. So, you know, it's just, and I'm not saying that's from everybody. That's not from everybody. We have, we had a lot of super, we still do. I don't want to say we used to, but we have awesome supporters that are not like that, that are like definitely the complete opposite. And they're just like, go, 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 you know? But I mean, you get them, you just get, you know, there, there were some of those things in the beginning, but, um, you know, again, everything's a balance. You're going to have the shitheads and you're going to have the cheerleaders. I don't know. They're, you know, with everything, that's just the way it is. Right. I don't know. I'm sorry. I can't get over Fern's, um, use of the word vaginas. I just had this band name in my head. Now the angry vaginas. I think that would be the best (laughs) fucking all girl band name ever. But I think, you know what, though, I think, though, you being from New York, I'm originally from Maine, so I'm a New England girl, and I think that the mentality up north versus the south, and I'm not saying anything bad about southerners, what I'm saying is, when you come from up north, like a place like New York, a place like Massachusetts, a place like Maine, you learn how to let... Yeah, you learn how to let that shit roll right off your back and say, you know what, you can own your shit and I'm going to own my shit and really, I don't care. Like, would I love for you to love what I do and like me as a person? Yeah, that would be awesome. But if you don't, that's cool too because I'm an individual and I have my individual thoughts, my individual feelings, my individual perception, and you can go fuck yourself. And pretty much that's a northern mentality. People down south... It's a little hard for them to digest because they're more about placation and um, being yeah, a little sideswiped, right? Like they'll come at you from the side. They won't come at you from the front. Yeah. And I'm right. more of a come at me from the front and we can discuss it. Like we can argue yeah. all night long and then go out and have a beer and be cool. But you come at right. me from the side, you, <laughs> you try to take my shirt off my back, I'll choke you with it. If you ask That's me, right. I'll give it to you. That's right. I'm like that, too. I'm like, you got anything to say, say it to my face. Because if you say it to my face, we can get along just fine. But, you know, if, you, if you're if you not going to play that way, I'm going to cut you. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's I, a quality I that is very Even if it's on the other side. Nowadays. Yeah. 
that, that people ever don't want to hear the truth about anything or even your raw opinion. That people shy away yeah. and really recoil from that. I mean, there's times I'm, you know, people yeah. are like, give me the truth and I'll tell them and they'll be like, what the, how dare you think that? Well, I'm, I'm sorry for the thoughts in my own head. You yeah. want to say, hey, the truth. you know, I, I am an individual. You know, hello. You know, I mean, that's just kind of the way it's really supposed to be. And I, I think you are unique, that. just like everybody yeah. else. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. not going to use the word snowflake here, are we? Because I don't want to start getting political. Uh, no, no snowflake. No snowflake. No, not unless it means six or seven inches in this area, because I <laughs> love it when it snows in Virginia Beach. People freak <laughs> out, and I get to go do donuts in the parking lot. It's awesome. I <laughs> All right, we're, we're running on the hour, Mark. Let's end there. Right. Um, Colette, I want to thank you so much for calling in. We are actually going to end Aww. the show with You Sent Me Bad Boy, and I dig your band. I could only find two songs on SoundCloud by you, but if, what I've heard, yeah, I dig I a lot. I thought we had more. I'm sorry about that. I thought there was more up there, and I went in the other day, and I was like, whoa. I thought, yeah. I, so, uh, yeah, we actually have more. I think I think I have them uploaded to a different site, but uh uh, yeah, sorry about that. I could have sworn we had more music because we had a second CD, and I actually don't see those songs uh, up on the SoundCloud, which I thought they were there. Yep, it's, um, it's an but, imperfect world, my friend. Yeah, yeah, but uh, and really, I can't thank you guys enough for asking me to do this, and and I really appreciate it. So that was really cool of you guys. Right on. You know, I always have to wrap these shows up, but since the ladies are having so much fun talking today, Fern, why don't you wrap up the show in your own moist voice? I'm, I'm stuttering here. Own moist voice way. <laughs> oh, wow, what Nick. I love the how you... Power? The guys just can't even handle it. I'm all, like, fried and frozen. <laughs> I can't control myself to you. Oh, my. What do I do? I love how you put me on the spot like that, but you know what? That's the beauty about being a woman is that we think in 8,000 different directions all at the same time. It's all oh, a yeah. fishbowl in our brain. So first of all, Colette, it was awesome to talk to you. I appreciate what you do. Check out her comedy. Check out her music. Go see her shows. Like, do what you oh, got to do. Where can we check you out online, Colette? I forgot to ask. Um, online? Well, I don't have the comedy shows that I just have links to. Um, I don't have them actually up publicly. I'm just nervous about that. Um, but the Drenda's stuff, the music is on Facebook, it's on SoundCloud. We have some stuff on YouTube. Um, I'm still working on some more comedy stuff. Again, I'm still kind of early doing that, you know, I'm growing. Um, so I'll put more stuff as it comes out. And I'm open micing and performing out uh, probably every other month. I think I'm performing. Like I said, I am back in school, so school's taking up a little of my time. Right but, on. Uh, Fern, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, my but, mouth cut you off again. Go ahead, Fern. No, no, it's all cool. I just want to say check out everything Colette. Um, be sure to check out our archive of this show because, honestly, this show has been so good, you have to listen to it more than once on tincan.media. And we have all of our other shows, our political show, The Funny Thing About Politics, Bath Talks. I mean, how interesting is Bath Talks? Dude in a Bath, James Bruce, talking about stuff. It's actually pretty cool. Uh, consumable Nonsense, The Padula Show. Check out everything on tincan.media. And definitely go support Colette. Definitely go check out her stuff. Definitely go to her shows. Uh, Facebook friend me, Facebook friend Colette, Facebook friend Nick, yep. Facebook friend D. Do they have out to get a that they live in Oregon? Do they have to drive all the way from Oregon to check out Colette's shows? Hell they can yeah. check out her shows online, but honestly, I think if they drove from Oregon to check out Colette's shows, that Colette and I could probably have drinks with them afterwards. I, 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 I would be willing to do that. Fingers, if they drove out from Oregon. 
Yeah, I think a shot of uh, Fireball or tequila would be in order if they drove out from Oregon. I'd be willing to do that. I'd, I'd spot you a shot of Fireball. I really would. I can I'd say spot, that flat I'd, out. I do, do too. Uh, well, see, that's two shots of Fireball if you drive out from Oregon. <laughs> it's a deal. It's a plan. So you guys are kind of like, oh, this could never happen, and like 10,000 people from Oregon will show up at the next show. Kind of like <laughs> Back in the 80s, this is what this reminded me of, and I can never shut up, I apologize, but back in the 80s, Pepsi ran this contest where you collected their bottle caps for different prizes, and they were like, you know, 50 bottle caps, you get a tote bag, 600 bottle caps, we'll send you, what did people use back then, like a Walkman, 40,000 bottle caps, and we'll give you a B5 bomber, and they had like a picture of this big giant Uh. plane. This fucking fraternity actually went out and got like the forty or fifty thousand, whatever the ridiculous number was, bottle caps, and they were like, "Give us our bomber now." You didn't say it was a joke. Oh, no, actually, well, pay them like some absorbent amount. It wasn't the amount of a bomber because those things are probably billions of dollars, but made them pay that fraternity like ten bil- million, not billion, ten million dollars. Well, hey, well, I will say that. My friend Courtney owns uh, Just One More in Virginia Beach, the bar in Virginia Beach, and I'm sure that if you showed your license and said, hey, I'm from Oregon, and I just saw Colette's show, and I'm here drinking with them, and they promised me shots of Fireball, that Courtney knows I'm good for it, and I may have to pay her back over time in small increments, (laughs) but she'd probably be cool with it. If you tell Kenny, you're going to have to take out a second mortgage. It's possible. I may have to go ahead and hook on the street to just go ahead and take care of this. But, um, yeah, uh, I'll figure out a way to buy your fireball if you're from Oregon. <laughs> wow. All right. Are we ready to end this? Let's <laughs> yes. end this. All right, guys. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week with – you're going to have to pronounce the name, D. Yadoye Travis. That's the one. Have a good weekend, guys.